I'll let you in on a little secret. Reaching your revenue goal won't change your life, but hitting your profit goal, that absolutely will. If you want to build a life-first business this year, you need to create more margin, both in your finances and in your schedule. If you're ready to double down on profit-generating strategies that actually work so you can work four-day weeks, go on real vacations, or even take the summers off, you won't want to miss this. In my free masterclass, Double Your Profit While Working Less, you'll learn exactly how to set your business up to scale so you can give yourself a raise, create a clear plan for how to work that dream schedule, and step into your CEO era, the one where you and your business aren't just surviving, but thriving. You can grab this free masterclass at www.jadeboyd.co backslash double your profit masterclass or go to the link in the show notes. Now back to the show. Welcome to the Business Minimalist Podcast, a podcast about redefining productivity for the modern woman in business and finding ways to work smarter, not harder in business and life. I'm your host, Jade Boyd. I'm an MBA, business strategist, and mentor who helps overwhelmed business owners simplify and scale their service-based businesses with strategy and systems. On this podcast, we'll explore simple ways to earn more while working less. If you're ready to scale your business, bring order to chaos, ditch the busy work, and make space for what really matters, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Business Minimalist Podcast. Today, I am super excited to welcome Erica from Delta Perspectives to the podcast. Erica is a launch marketing strategist. I've been following her on Instagram for quite a while now, and she has really excellent content that I'll make sure that she plugs later on, but I'm going to let Erica introduce herself. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Jade. Super thrilled to be here and yeah, talk things launch marketing. So I am the founder of Delta Perspectives. It is a launch marketing strategy firm. My role is basically to help six-figure to seven-figure coaching businesses as well as course creation businesses scale and to be able to have these just really kick-butt launches. I became a launch marketing strategist truly by bootstrapping. So I actually have a degree in psychology and a master's in public health. And about three, four years ago, I lost my job. I actually worked in research and I thought, you know what? I want to work for myself. I want to figure out what I can do. Started out writing blogs, then got into project management, online business management, and then honestly found this really sweet spot that I loved, which was launching. I think launching has like the biggest, you know, yes, launches are amazing. And oh my gosh, I don't ever want to work on a launch again, you know, side effect because people can get so burnt out. And my biggest thing is I don't want to get burnt out. I don't want to burn out the team. I don't want to burn out the clients that I'm consulting with. And so figuring out how to have an easy and as least stress as possible launch is my big thing. And I love providing people with a way to have the work-life balance or their dream lifestyle by launching and doing it in a smart and effective way. Yeah, absolutely. So was there a moment when you knew that you wanted to pivot and just focus on launch strategy? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, with online business management, it looked so cool. And it looked like, yes, leadership. And prior to going into working with, you know, these small businesses as a consultant, contractor, that kind of thing, I worked as a full-time employee. And as a full-time employee, you see things from just such a different perspective. And you can always see when it's from the top down, like when there's issues going on and or 
oh no, you know, we should have focused in on marketing or we should have focused on this. And so I really thought online business management as a leadership role, this is how I can affect change. This is how I can provide better working environments. And really though, I could not stay away from the strategy. Like I couldn't stay away from it. If my life depended on it, we'd be planning out something. And I'm like, what if we did, you know, a webinar and this webinar was held on whatever. And it talked about, you know, something amazing that people struggle with. Yeah. And I think the big pivot and the big question that I actually was talking to my husband about today was like, can I make an income? Can I make a living off of coming up with amazing ideas that will not only help the course creator, the coach, but then also like just help people get over whatever struggle it is. If it's mindfulness, if it's business coaching, if it's spirituality, you know what? I mean, it's really just broad spectrum. And yeah, that's really when I've kind of set down my OBM hat and was like, I want to do launch marketing strategy. That's awesome. I also want to ask you a little bit about your background because I feel like marketing can be a really wide field. And I think it's so interesting. You said you had psychology. Yep. I've got a bachelor's. But also research, which is very math focused. So tell me about like those two skill sets, I guess, and how they combine because they're both so integral to marketing. And I think it's just a really interesting background. I'm just wondering how that's shaped your strategy as a business owner and like how you view strategy. Yeah, definitely. I think my background, you know, it's like all of us, my background's very unique, (laughs) but it does feel unique coming into the small business world. So yeah. So like my whole career trajectory was research focused. Like I wanted to be a research scientist and I had the psychology degree. I focused in on research from the start. And then I went and got a master's in public health with a focus in epidemiology because my big thing was like seeing stuff in the environment and how it affected people, how it affected their health, their lives, their quality of life. And that's kind of what I took up as like my purpose, if you will. Translating over to now launch marketing strategy, the way I still see it the same though, because, you know, somebody me or anybody else can have an amazing strategy for, you know, using a webinar to convert to a thousand dollar course to make, you know, a hundred thousand dollars in a launch. Right. But that strategy maybe will only work one time, or it'll only work for a specific person in a specific environment with specific networking opportunities. And so that's where I say like, everything's a test. I'm not attached to any strategy, any email marketing funnel or, honestly, any social media, you know, feature that they're wanting us to use, right? Like, because it can all change. And I think there's a lot of experimentation when it comes to owning a business, leading a team, leading a launch, and also in the offers, you know, so we talk a lot about like launch strategy and, oh, you can do a wait list or you can do a big live launch where you have a webinar. Each of those are tests though, and they're not going to work every time. and They're not going to work for every audience or every offer. So yeah, I think experiment is just huge. It's a big, good hat to wear. We're going to come back to this for sure, because we're going to talk a little bit why it's not a good idea to copy someone else's strategy, because it is an experiment and there's so many different ways to launch. But let's start off maybe with a bigger picture of what are the different types of launches that people can do in their business? Yeah, definitely. So the first one I would say is your passive launch. So this is basically like, let's say you create a product it's a PDF or it's an online course. You've got every, you know, you've got your video training, your PowerPoint, your PDF. 
where you walk them through the process. It has worksheets, whatnot. This product does not need you. It's static. It can live on its own on your website. This would be a great opportunity to use email marketing or social media marketing to encourage people to check out that product. But there's really no big push on like bells and whistles and a live event to get people to convert all at one time. So efforts, not only on you as the creator, but then also efforts on your team is a lot lower on a passive launch. A lot of times you'll see people doing passive launches and they'll have this like, it looks like a spider with really long, complicated legs, but a beautiful email marketing automation um, so that they can have a nurture sequence included in their email automation and then offer that product. And then maybe the person doesn't convert, they don't buy. So they come back two days later, three days later. That's very much a passive launch. So that's the first one. The second one I would say is a live launch. So this is where you have a webinar or a challenge. You spend time nurturing your audience to get them to that live event, to then teach them, educate, entertain, get them a quick win, some sort of transformation by attending it. And then you can share what you're so excited about, which is their next step. So you taught them A, and then this next product that does cost money now is B. And it's specifically for them now that they've gotten over whatever hurdle or lack of education that they didn't have, but now do because they participated in your webinar or challenge. And then the other type of launch would be a large scale launch. So it's very similar to live launches, but I would say this is where you do it at least once a quarter and you do it with a very special offering. I would say your signature offering and you have a live event. Maybe you're using an ads company to help you out with, you know, Facebook ads, Instagram ads, whatever it may be, but it's all hands on deck and it is. The idea with large-scale launches is that this large-scale launch is an infusion of cash into your business. And you will see basically like when you're looking at your revenue for the year, you'll know when you did your live-scale launches because there will be these huge peaks in revenue. And then lastly, we've got low ticket. Low ticket is absolutely wonderful. It starts your ascension model for your business. And the idea here is that the lifetime value of a customer is so much more effective when they've been a customer by trying out your low ticket offering, your mid ticket and your high ticket offering, because they've been able to learn about you, get to know you, trust you to be able to scale with you in your offerings. And that's where a low ticket launch comes, comes into play. I would say the biggest thing with low ticket is just understanding that it's usually not going to be the big bang of cash infusions unless you've got amazing visibility, like, you know, over 1 million YouTube subscribers, over 2 million Instagram followers, like you have done the due diligence of gaining visibility, but it's really great. And it's really great to have that tester date for your audience and your products. So as an entrepreneur who's thinking about their next offer, is there like a type of launch that's better for a certain type of entrepreneur over another? Mm. Could you kind of separate that out a little bit? Or are they all kind of in, in the toolbox to pick up for any entrepreneur? So I would say for large scale launches, that type of launch is going to need, uh, that entrepreneur will need some resources. Either they are a jack of all trades and they know how to write, they know how to set up automations, they know how to schedule content for social they're happy to be in front of the camera for a webinar, you know, a challenge. They know how to run ads. 
What I will say is a lot of entrepreneurs have learned a lot of different things that they would have never learned if they didn't, (laughs) if they weren't an entrepreneur. So I definitely don't want to say like, no, you can't do those, but those are harder. That's where outsourcing comes into play, getting a, you know, some type of technical virtual assistant, social media manager, an email marketing assistant to help you just really finesse it and not get lost in the sauce of launches. So I would say for that one, that's kind of something to work to. And mind you, there are six-figure coaches, high six-figure coaches that are just now perfecting their large-scale launches. So it's not anything to get discouraged by for sure. I would say live launches, there's some requirements there. You need to have the visibility. You need to have the audience. And it's not just metrics or vanity metrics. Like I have X number of followers. It's, are you engaging with your audience? Are they coming to you and asking you like, hey, I'm struggling with X. Can you help me out? And you are providing help for free via DM. And it's hundreds of those people. I would say you are ready for a live launch. When it comes to low ticket, I think that anybody can do a low ticket launch. You may see, you know, uh, more crickets than like, oh my gosh, you know, all the dough is rolling in. But it's really good practice because you don't have to do a webinar. You don't have to do a challenge. It's you using social media and email marketing and just really getting the good practice. So I would say that one for kind of newer entrepreneurs that maybe they're still solopreneurs or they have a, um, an agency or a VA that can help them out. And then for passive launches, this is something you can totally do on your own. It can be as easy as adding a product to your website or as complicated as like how I was describing earlier, a full email marketing funnel with maybe there's an abandoned cart automation over there, but it doesn't have to be. And it can still be, you have scheduled content going out on social to promote that offer. And if somebody goes and buys it, they go and buy it. And you know, you're out to lunch with friends or something like that. So I would say passive low ticket, Uh, definitely for the early stage entrepreneur or the solopreneur, those are are accessible to you. Live launches, you're going to need some help for sure. And large scale launches, I would look at revenue because that's always a really good milestone. If you're at six figures or higher and you can invest, you have enough where you're still making a profit, then start looking at doing live scale launches for sure. So once you know what type of launch you're going to do, what are the phases that we need to be thinking about throughout that launch? Still looking at that big picture. Yeah, definitely. So I think something that's very often missed is market research. And that could be my past research, you know, life kind of like (laughs) saying, hey, don't forget about, you know, we got to ask them what they want. But really, I think, you know, marketing and selling is all about, you know, identifying what your audience wants or desires, and then giving them what they need so they can get to that want. Nine times out of 10, what they want isn't just like going to be handed to them on a silver platter. It's actually going to require some sort of work, which in the coaching industry and the uh, course creation or for course creators as well, like most of their products, it's teaching you the how you know, or their services are teaching you the how that means there's work involved. And so they're showing you what you need to get to your outcome. So I would say start with market research and look at what is it that they want and how do they say it? How do they define what they want? Somebody could say, well, I, you know, I want to make more money in my business. And somebody else could say, I want to scale my business. What do both of those mean? And of the market research data that you have, like, what's the majority? 
uh, you know, how are they verbalizing that? Since you have a background in market research, I want to dive into this one just a little bit more. What are your favorite marketing research methodologies, I guess, for collecting that data? Are there different yeah. surveys or just conversations with clients? Like what are some of the different ways that you figure out what people want? So one way is, let's say you're a coach or a course creator and you've already got clients or customers. I would send them a survey or when you're in a call, just drop in a question or two and make note of those. It can be very casual and yeah, very informal. Another way would be is using like Instagram. So Instagram has poll that uh, poll stickers. They also have like quiz stickers that you can drop in questions. And specifically for Instagram, Instagram stories just show if your audience is not only liking your content on your static feed, but then also liking your content in your story or engaging with you on your stories, that just really lets you know, like, okay, these people are really caring to give me that information. The other way would be forms. So type form, Google form, sending it out to your email list. Something that's not practiced a lot, and I think it should be, is market research calls. So those are great. So if you know that like, let's say you have a group coaching program that you're thinking up and you're like, you know what, I want to get this out, but I'm just not sure what it should include, or I'm not sure who it's for, or, you know, the timing of it, you know, should it be four months? Should it be six months? Whatever it is, right? In exchange for their time, they, you'll give them a, a gift card, let's say to Starbucks or Target or something like that. And that actually does, it's actually a very smart tactic for market research. One, you're getting the answers, you're getting to probe and ask deeper questions, right? And then two, you're creating a connection. So this person may have been following you on social, never met you before, is excited that you're offering your group coaching program. I think people are very surprised that they have raving fans or that they have people that are like, just let me know when you've got something for sale because um, I want to work with you. And so these market research calls are just a really good temperature check on that. So yeah, those are the methods that I usually use. Do you see business owners when they're trying to do their own market research? Are there any common mistakes that you're seeing them make? So yeah, I would say double barreled questions, which is basically your question has two questions in one question. And it's very common in conversation, you know, like, oh, what are you going to do on Saturday? Are you excited about Saturday? Right? Are you excited to have the day off? And that's easy to answer. But when it comes to a form specifically, that's harder to answer because it feels like there's information missing. I would say on market research questions, a lot of times there's fear of asking, you know, the questions or coming off as like, I'm coming off in a marketing or sales sleazy type of way. You know, they're going to see that like, I'm not just here to offer entertainment. They're going to see that I, I have a, an agenda. And I think, you know, people don't actually think of it that way. You know, there's like those quotes that's like, you think more about what people think about you than what they're actually thinking about you, right? And I would say it's the same here. Like people aren't thinking that hard about it. And to me, it's if you want to run your business, you want to be successful, you want to be able to live this lifestyle that you're wanting, you've got to be okay with asking the questions and you've because otherwise you'll make products that don't sell and you'll lose audience members that would have worked with you, would have paid, you know, to work with you if you had created a product that they wanted. Yeah. 
I think that last point you had about like being afraid to do the research or like how you're going to come across that resonated with me a lot. One of the marketing research books, one of my favorite books is Talking to Humans, which is a very simple research book, but they have a cartoon in there of these two middle-aged men, software developers thinking like, this is exactly what teenage girls want. And they're making this product. And someone asked them like, have you talked to a teenage girl? And I, whenever I think of marketing research, that comes up immediately. I'm like, it's so important to talk to the humans and just yeah. ask the questions. So thank you for going a little bit deeper there. But what are the next few phases of the launch process after the marketing research is wrapped up? Yeah, definitely. So market research data has two purposes. One is for your product, your offering, and it can be for multiple products or offerings. And then two, it's for your content. Like what are you pumping out on social in an email? What do people want to learn about? What do they struggle with? A big one is, you know, a market research question is like, what is preventing you from purchasing a product or a program, a coaching service to help with X? The common ones are time and money, right? Those are always obstacles. But if we can help the audience overcome time, maybe it's time management that they need help with, right? Or we can overcome their money mindset or their stories about money and see it as an investment versus as an expense. You know, those are ways that we can use that market research data twofold, not only to educate and entertain your audience gets a win, but then also later on when it is time to invest and it is time to take up on that group coaching program. Now they don't have those obstacles in their mindset anymore. So market research helps with content creation. And then it also helps you nurture your audience. So like no trust is hugely talked about, probably not teaching anybody anything, any new here, but market research tells you exactly what you need to teach on or what you need to educate, where you're going to connect on each of those levels of like, know, and trust. And then lastly, the last phase I would say is creating some sort of standout conversion event. So this is a challenge, a webinar, a masterclass, a workshop, where you're going to give them some sort of transformation. You're also going to give them that time to connect with you and, you know, e-meet others that are in that same boat, same mindset. So you're also developing a sense of community like everybody on this call struggles with something when it comes to, you know, mindset or, you know, getting enough sunlight and being in nature, whatever it is, right? And here's the ways I'm going to teach you how or the top three ways that you can get more sunlight and be in nature throughout your week. So that's the transformation the outcome that's like super important. And that all comes from the creator, the CEO, course creator, coach's mind, because nine times out of 10, they would have struggled with the exact same thing and have this roadmap built out and can then share it with their audience on the call. That's great. So once you're aware of the type of launch and the four phases, what are some of the other key components that you need for a successful launch? Yeah, definitely. I would say, of course, the market research that we talked about. And honestly, a schedule is really important. So like, for social media content, there are creators out there that will post day of for social media. And that is wild to me because I like it to be, you know, a month, two weeks in advance for the entire month. And I know it's out. It's not anything that I need to worry about. I would say that that's less stressful. So having a schedule and when it comes to social media, email marketing is huge. And I think there's like this really big barrier 
slash wall when it comes to email marketing, because it just, it looks kind of techy and, you know, there's these automations and these triggers and, oh no, what if I send the wrong email to the wrong people? But I would say email marketing is huge component of launching. And it also lessens the load of launching on the coach or the course creator, because Social media um, is a machine that always needs to be fed, as you know. Whereas email marketing, you create, let's say, a four email nurture automation slash sequence. And that can live on through all the thousands of email subscribers that you take on. And they'll all be getting to know you, all getting nurtured by you without you posting something every day. So that's kind of another big component that I think is, it's one of the scarier components of launching. Yeah. So I would say social and email are really where you'll show up not only in the launch period, but then also in nurture. When it comes to launch email sequences, do you use sort of like a template or a certain number of emails when you launch or what does that look like? So it varies for sure. So we've talked about live launches and we talked about passive ticket launch or yeah, passive offer launches and those completely vary. So It could be as simple as, you know, for your launch week, you've got five emails that go out over the course of five days. And then you've got a three email sequence for an abandoned cart automation. I would say that's probably on the more simple side. More complicated is, you know, it's a set of like 30 emails and it just, they bought this. Oh, but should they check out the downsell offer? Okay, great. They bought the downsell. Should we add on? you know, a different upsell, like it can just go on and on and on. So it just really, really varies. I would say for any entrepreneur looking to get into marketing that doesn't take so much as much effort as social, starting out with a weekly nurture email. So every week they send an email to their list, educate, entertain, share any updates in the business or the offerings that they have, and just start to create that connection that's kind of the best way to start and the simplest. So so sort of an add-on to that, obviously advanced automations take some sort of software to get to that level of detail. Do you have different types of go-to software platforms that you use for more complicated launches like that or even the simple ones? Yeah, definitely. So Active Campaign for both simple and complicated. I love Active Campaign. When it comes to, you had asked a question about like templates for automations and such. So usually what I'll do, if it is a complicated automation, you active campaigns awesome and you can create a template from that aut- automation and reuse it. Change out the dates, change out the copy, the triggers, whatever it is. But all of the configuring of it is is already done for you. There's other tools like MailChimp and ConvertKit, but Active Campaign just honestly has my my love and devotion because it's just really easy to replicate automations and use templates. So it saves time and that's huge with launching. Time is of the essence for sure. Yeah. Other than email software, are there any other types of software that you use for each launch? Yeah, definitely. So Asana is huge. It's a project management software and ClickUp, Trello are pretty, well, Trial is not as similar. I would say ClickUp's more similar to Asana and then Monday.com too. Slack, gotta love Slack. It's so helpful for team communication and there's a lot of great integrations. And then Miro or some type of workflow platform. There's also Figma, but I love Miro to understand the customer journey. So before kicking off a launch, really understanding, okay, our 
potential lead, our user will go from this opt-in page over to this, you know, email that will they'll receive the delivery of their opt-in, and then they'll go into a nurture sequence. After the nurture sequence, then they'll go into the weekly emails, and then they'll get invited to our launch conversion event. So, yeah, those are probably my favorite. Thank God for templates and for software. Yes. <laughs> That is a lot. Kind of along with this, obviously, the time to launch is going to vary greatly depending on the type of launch and how advanced it is. But how long do you usually plan when you start working with a client to when the launch date is? How long do you usually ask for them to plan for all of the content creation and marketing research and the whole process? The whole process. Yeah. So I would say anywhere from three to six months, if we're talking about a signature offering, like kind of what I've shifted to is helping coaches, course creators create that signature offering and then market and sell it because it can replace their annual revenue by and large. If the right resources and the right messaging surrounding it honestly can be narrowed down, it's a huge win. So it's usually three to six months. And yeah, it also depends on the product or service itself. But if we're talking signature offering, I would say three to six months for sure. On Instagram, you mentioned a launch myth that having multiple offerings doesn't necessarily lead to more profit. And I want to dig into that a little bit more. You just mentioned that too, like sometimes that signature offering can replace your entire income. Mm -hmm. How do you go about working with clients and kind of overcoming that barrier that, oh, I need more income, I'll create a new product? (laughs) Yeah, definitely. It's got to be the biggest barrier slash obstacle when it comes to launch marketing strategy, creating a signature offering. And it's really sweet because I understand their perspective as a coach or course creator. They see their business as a shop where person A could come in and struggle with gardening, but person B could come in and struggle with cooking. So I need to have a product for both of those people and I need to market my product, you know, or each of those products every other day so that I make sure that, you know, those specific customers see it. And so that's where I say, I think it comes from a really good place and it's very sweet. But when we're talking about messaging and the number of times somebody needs to hear or see or be told about a product, it's like, I've seen different numbers, but it's between like seven and 21 times that somebody needs to repeatedly take in the information, understand what it does, understand it's for them, and then see if they like it or not to then go and purchase it. So if we're thinking of it that way, and we're thinking of effort, time, and money that it takes to build out these products, we would be better suited to focus on a signature offering than to focus on all these smaller offerings that don't bring in as much revenue. And so that's kind of where I've truly had the most pushback is helping to create signature offerings. But for example, if you look at any of the big coaches or course creators and you look at their Instagram accounts or their websites, they are usually showcasing, sharing information, launching one to two, maybe three signature offerings. They've got to be pretty big to have at least three signature offerings, but we're talking seven figure businesses and up. They've probably got like one offer that they focus on. They kind of let all the smaller offerings go. And so it also comes to kind of what I've been telling clients here lately is like, we want people to know the name of your signature offering before they even know your last name. Like we want that product brand awareness to be above 
your own personality slash brand of the business, if that makes sense. Yeah. So that's kind of, that's where I like to stick on. You don't need more products. You just need more effort on your signature product. Yeah. Or you need the right signature service. I think Yeah, that's where some people go wrong too, where I see entrepreneurs launch a service and maybe it's not booking as much as they would like. And instead of like fixing it and figuring out what's working and not working, like you said, somebody else wants something else. So they create another service. And that's kind of what this podcast is all about. How do you do less, but do it better? Because you can't just have less services. They also have to be better (laughs) and profitable and marketable and all those things. So yes, everything you're saying is resonating. This is good. Another thing we talked about earlier was copying and pasting other people's marketing strategy. And I think like you mentioned, people often look to those people who are doing what they're doing and looking around to see what types of services are they offering? How are they launching their products? How are they talking about their brand? And think to themselves, well, it's working for them. So I should do what's working. And that's not necessarily the best strategy. I would argue it's a terrible strategy. (laughs) But for launching, it's very specific to having a launch strategy that's specific to your service and your brand and your business. How do you help your clients tailor their marketing strategy? What does that look like? And how do you help them kind of overcome that barrier of why am I not just doing this email campaign because this other coach is doing it? It worked. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I love this question because I would say online businesses are very unique in that your business is built off of you and your personality. And it's just so much more personal than a brick and mortar business because I could walk into a brick and mortar business, see that they offer coaching, not sign up for any opt-ins, you know, or anything like that, and then leave and never hear or see from that person again, unless I follow them on social or I sign up for an email marketing, right? So that to me is where it's just so much more personal. I hear this a lot. The coaching industry is saturated. The course creator industry is saturated. And that's where I say, don't copy anybody else. Do your own thing because your audience will see things the way that you do. And if you are hiding behind somebody else's aesthetic or, you know, style of copy and the way that they write their captions, whatever it is, your audience can't find you. And so that's where I would say, yeah, don't even bother with that part. Yeah. So that's, it's a waste of time and quite a few of like the clients that I work with are afraid to go live, like on Instagram and whatnot, just as an example. And I would say it's another point to show your quirky side or to show, you know, I'm actually an introvert. I can't believe I'm on live right now, like, (laughs) but here I am and I'm going to teach you about, you know, whatever. Right. So that's where I say like online business, I think is much more personable than brick and mortar. Because even for us introverts, we can take our time, see ourselves up, you know, to share about ourselves and our business. Yeah. So don't waste any time on copying. Just do your own thing. In line with kind of those fears that come up with launching, I feel like there's a lot of different emotions that come up, especially people being afraid of what if I invested all this time and nobody buys it. And there's a lot of mindset issues around launching and investing that much in a single offering, how do you help your clients overcome those things as they're in the launch process, which could be three to six months of that fear and anxiety? Yeah, definitely. So I think number one is 
it's not as glamorous, that's for sure, as like an abundance mindset. I say that's a little bit more glamorous. But I would say having this sense of equanimity. So not being attached to an outcome or a feeling of winning, of losing. So if you win, you don't really stay in that winning state of mind. If you lose, you don't stay in that losing state of mind. It's an experience. It's a test. All of this is just an experience. And so to me, that's been the most helpful thing. And I think the thing that kind of separates me from other launch marketing strategists or just strategy in general is that that's always at the forefront of not being attached to, well, this worked last time. Why didn't it work this time and getting upset about it, right? The second thing that's a little bit more glamorous is having an abundance mindset, which is basically like, yes, the money is going to come to me and I'm going to think and act and behave and feel in the way that I would if that money was here. Or I'm going to think and act and plan my schedule around as if I had these new 10 group coaching clients on my schedule, because I'm giving that change in income, that change in schedule space before it's even here. So I would say that's kind of, that's more fun, more glamorous. It's also a stretch of the mind, definitely. And then the other thing that I would look at is just kind of your perspective on efforts and time. Launching is not one and done. It's very much like you launch your offer, you look at the metrics, you look at what worked, what didn't work, what can be improved, you go to work on those, and then you launch it again and again and again. So especially if we're talking about like a signature offering, like I said earlier, that would be something that you launch once a quarter or at least three times a year, right? So you're going to have to figure it out and put effort into it. If you look at big companies like Apple, they've got their product of their iPhone and they relaunch that sucker every year, right? They update the features, they update the marketing. Okay, who are they going after now, right? Gen Z, millennials, you know, however they do it, more cameras, you know, so it's definitely not one and done. And your first launch, the main purpose, I would say, is not necessarily for you to make money. It's for you to learn and figure out like what works. We talked a little bit about customer journey using tools like Miro or Figma. Look at your customer journey and see like, okay, wait a second. I had a hundred people that liked my most recent post about my product. And then only 50 of those people went to the page, uh, the sales page. And only 20 people signed up for the application call, but only, you know, five people converted. I really want a 50% conversion rate on my sales calls. Okay, what do I need to do to beef up my sales conversation skills? You know, so you can look at each point to say, like, how can I improve? Or is there a part of this process that's not really needed? So yeah, I mean, it's truly a test and, and an education of how you're going to sell your offer. So if somebody does launch the person, I'm just thinking of the person who's listening and is just like, you know, an abundance mindset is great, but I'm still really anxious that nobody's going to buy this thing. Worst case scenario, nobody buys their coaching program and that is their signature offering. What are the next steps for them that they need to do immediately? Yeah, definitely. Sometimes it makes me feel better if I'm like, okay, worst case scenario, I can handle that. So let's just go there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, okay. So you launch your group coaching offer and nobody bought. That's A-okay. You've been talking about it for months and crickets. And now you're sick of it. No. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah. So what I would do is I would go back to the drawing board and start doing some market research questions because it may have been the name of the product. It may have been who you said it was for. You know, a lot of times people will disqualify themselves like, oh, 
that's not for me, you know, or the price of the product. Was it priced too low, priced too high? Oftentimes people think like, oh, if I price my product low because it's new, it's my first time launching it, you know, I'll get more people and I don't really know what I'm doing, right? And they don't really know what I'm doing. So I need to give them that benefit of the doubt kind of thing. But sometimes that can actually disqualify people because they'll be like, oh, it's only X. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, that's not what I'm looking for. It should be at least, you know, Z, right? Like, right? Like three times the amount or whatever. So I would say, go back, do some market research, keep on nurturing your audience, social media content, a weekly nurture email, and plan out your next launch. If you planned out this first launch, because a lot of people will plan out their first launch faster and then any subsequent launch because they're like, nope, I need to get this out. I need to bring in income or whatever it is, right? Whatever their reasonings are. So I would say take your time planning out the next one and look at your current. If you have like one-on-one clients, a lot of times with coaches, they'll have one-on-one clients and then they'll move on to group group coaching offerings because they're trying to get a better handle on their work-life balance. So I would go to my one-on-one clients and say like, why did you sign up with me? You know, what's been the biggest hurdle that I've helped you get over? Or what's been the biggest win since we've started working together? Identify those, understand how they speak. Look at demographics. Okay, they are all women that live in the mountains and need more sunlight, right? Okay, let me find out where these people are. Facebook groups, check out those, start looking at questions that people are asking that's related to your niche. So people have already done the market research for you. You just need to go dive in and discover it. And then the other thing is partnering up. People are very afraid to like partner up or do collaborations, like joint webinars, podcasts, but it's really, you have like this defined, or I should say undefined network community of people that you may not know you're in. And we can all like kind of rise up together versus trying to always do it on our own. We'll get just so much further. So if you're a coach that helps with, you know, I'm trying to think that helps with business, find a coach that helps with life coaching or lifestyle coaching. Plan out a joint webinar to where you guys can use both of your pool and visibility. Your audiences can come together and you guys both pitch your offer whether it's a consult or a discovery call, you know, it could be anything, but don't stop trying. I would say if you haven't gotten anybody to convert, then you probably need more leads. So focus on lead generation and market research. This is so good. You just dropped on so many different good tidbits of knowledge. Mindset aside, even when you have a good plan in place, launching can still be really stressful because there are a lot of moving parts to keep on top of. Do you have any tips for sort of managing the stress or things to have in place so that it can be a little bit more fun? Yeah, definitely. And so I'm very much a recovering people pleaser and uh, recovering. I put too much stuff on my plate person. I don't know if there's a name for that. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, man. But, yeah. Yes. Man. So I would say define working hours. That's been huge and try to stick to them. You know, if it's Monday through Friday, nine to three or whatever it is that you do, try to stick to those. Sometimes it's really helpful to practice saying no at least two to three times a day, especially if you are a people pleaser. Yes, man. Uh, taking weekends off and unplugging from social and as much tech as you can. 
I think that's really hard for a lot of us, especially that we're in the online business world. Our business is still living and breathing online, even when we unplug. And that can feel weird to disconnect. But I think the more that you do it, what I've found is not only helps with stress, but it helps with clarity. Every time I've taken, you know, a vacation or more than, let's say, two days off, the amount of clarity that I get is wild. So last question, a little bit of a bonus round. We touched on so many topics from marketing research to launching to strategy to offer creation. So what are some of the top like book or podcast recommendations that you have when it comes really to any of these topics? I was going to go launch specific, but we touched on so many things. So I'll leave the door wide open. Yeah, definitely. I would say the Social Ed podcast. So it's Steph Taylor. She's a launch marketing strategist. She's got like bite-sized podcast episodes and it's great. It's all about launching. And then as far as books are concerned, I would look at Atomic Habits. So we're talking about launching. It's a lot of recurring tasks and it's a lot of setting your environment to do the work, setting your environment to relax. To me, turning on and off, that's been really helpful. E-Myth is great. That's a book I think a lot of people have read, but just really understanding like the, to me, it's understanding the delivery, what your business delivers and how to scale based on delivery. So you can read that to kind of learn more. Other than that, the four agreements would be the last one. And I think that is just super helpful to kind of like, I'm a bit woo into meditation, into spirituality and all of that, but the four agreements was really big. So I would recommend any business owner to read that because I think being an entrepreneur, being in the online business world, it can feel very like siloed, like we each have our own business and it's just us and that's it. Maybe our team, right? But in reality, like we're all working together. We're all either purchasing products or services from one another. Like we are engaging and all of that. And so that's where like books like The Four Agreements are just huge. And they're really good reminders of how to engage and how to interact in this world. And you also have really great content to share. So share how people can connect with you after the show. Yeah, definitely. So on Instagram is probably the best way. So I'm at Delta Perspectives underscore. Yeah. And most of my content is honestly educational. I try to be a bit quirky and funny in there, but most of it is to help the person that wants to launch a product and they just have no idea where to start. And so it's like a little mini free course on my content. So yeah. Perfect. We'll make sure to link that in the show notes. But thank you so much for being here today, Erica. This was such a great episode. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Business Minimalist Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, I'd be so grateful if you'd rate it on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening today. Your rating and review will help more small business owners discover helpful episodes each week. Don't forget to check out the show notes for the tools and resources mentioned in today's episode, because good ideas don't grow businesses, action does. And if you want more business minimalist tips and resources, head on over to Instagram and follow me at jadeboyd.co. I'd love to hear what you took away from today's episode. I'll see you next time on the Business Minimalist Podcast. The number of women burning out is at an all-time high right now, and I'm on a mission to change that. If you're a service provider who's feeling overwhelmed, overworked, and underpaid, don't let another year go by staying stuck. The Business Edit is a 12-month group coaching program that helps you declutter your business from top to bottom so that you can have shorter to-do lists, a clear strategy to scale, 
and know exactly what to focus on each week to drive results in your business. You'll end the year with the business that you've been dreaming of building, one that gives you your life back and pays you more than you've ever made before. In the program, you'll follow my signature five-step method for scaling your service-based business. You'll get business minimalist strategy, marketing, systems, and productivity roadmaps that are simple to understand and easy to implement, plus 12 months of customized one-on-one coaching to help you every step of the way. Join me inside the business edit at www.jadeboyd.co backslash coaching and get my step-by-step blueprint with everything you need to build your dream business in 2024. Now back to the show.